Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome back, friends, to another edition of Disciple Making. I'm Tim Beadle with my good friend Darren Ride. We're working through a book together uh, called In the Way, Church as We Know It, Can Be a Disciple Making Movement Again by Damien Girk. And so I've been really enjoying our time together as we've looked into this book. Uh, and we're going to move into a new section now that is entitled What the Church Does. Uh, in, in the last uh, section, we were looking uh, who the church is, and now being always precedes doing. So now we're actually going to get down to brass tacks and talk about what what is the body of Christ, the Church of Jesus, actually to do in the world. So there, there's a springboard for for you to uh, jump yeah. in the deep end. Right on. Okay, thanks, Tim. Uh, good to be back here. And yeah, we're we're looking at contrast really between church as we know it. Legacy church and disciple making, and, and some of the points of tension that happen uh, when you're trying to make disciples even within a legacy church. And so, the first contrast we're looking at today in what the church does is in the the area of what's the ministry goal. What what are you actually trying to accomplish? Well, a lot of times in a legacy church, what we're trying to do is get people saved, which sounds like a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And in disciple making movement, your goal, your ministry goal, is actually disciple makers. Right. Not just converts, not just salvations, but disciple makers. What's the difference between someone who's saved and a disciple maker, Tim? <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. This is really a matter of metrics because people will measure what's important to them, Darren. And that's what I found. I know several years ago, I met with a bunch of national leaders and I presented, I drew a little line on a whiteboard and I said, well, let's really talk about what's important to us here. And uh, of course, you know, you draw a cross on the line. That's when people cross the line of faith. That's salvation. And then, uh, you know, I, I asked them, okay, what would be the next one? And then they said, well, baptism. Uh, you know, someone who openly identifies with Jesus. And we mm -hmm. sort of checked that one. And then I said, okay, what's the next one? And there was just this deafening silence in the room. <laughs> and someone said, I think it's when Jesus comes back. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and that's all they could come up with. And I was there, obviously, to challenge them in terms of uh, that our goal is not salvation. It's a really important <laughs> milestone in terms of crossing a line of faith, uh, coming uh, to life spiritually. But unless we actually obey Jesus and do what he said that we were to do, that the, there needs to be uh, another little uh, line, as it were, in the sand, mm -hmm. and it's called disciple makers. And if you don't do that, and this is where I get uh, uh, quite excited, because I, I've just looked at churches for the last 30 years, and very few, if any, are, are really striving to make disciples. What happens is people just get busy in the minutia of church ministry and things like that go round and round and round. And uh I have to watch what I say here. But what we're doing is we're creating a bunch of SOBs, uh, spiritually obese believers, where they just yeah, feed me more, give me another program. And it's never resulting in what Jesus asked us 
to do in the church to make disciples and make disciples? Hmm. So there's a long uh, answer for a short question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it, it really, what I find here, when you think about the outcome being disciple making versus salvation, it changes the way you do evangelism. It does. Because, because, because if evangelism is the end goal, then you don't need to think past that. And, and I think maybe a framework that, you know, for me, it's helpful is that using the football field analogy, salvation yeah. isn't getting someone in the end zone. Salvation is oh. the 50 yard line. It is. You know, your, your progress, you're, 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 you're in, you're now kind of moving forward into the offensive. Yeah. And it's about making disciples. And a lot of times I ask in churches I work with, I, I, in fact, I ask the question regularly till they get it, till they, till they answer. I just asked it for the third or fourth time in a church recently. Once you're saved, what's Christ's goal for you? Yeah. You know, what's his number one goal for you? Well, the answer is to make you like Jesus. And that's about character, but it's also about it is. what we do. Yeah, making think, disciples, uh, being like Jesus in character and in action, right? Yeah, I think uh, I think we are guilty of being spiritually short-sighted in terms mm. of what God's plan is for us. Now, of course, you know, salvation in terms of our eternal destination is the biggie. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're either going or you're not. Yeah. But... <laughs> But the, the, the fact that, you know, Jesus trained his disciples to, to come on mission with him, you know, I'll, I'll come, you know, Matthew 4, uh, where he says, come follow me and I'll make you, I'll make you into something that you're not, uh, fishers of men, disciple mm-hmm. makers. And these are the last words that he said uh, to his uh, fledgling followers before he ascended into heaven. You know, all authority is going to be given now. Go and make disciples. That was a command to obey. Mm. And, you know, the baptizing is important and, and teaching them to obey everything he's commanded is really important as well. But for some reason along the way, uh, we've, we've just settled for a sprint rather than a marathon, just trying to get people over this line. And then we can just relax as if the job's done. But it isn't. It isn't done. Oh, yeah. And, and I, you know, as we're talking with this, Tim, I just feel compassion for pastors in, you know, existing churches. And, you know, if a pastor in existing church decide, I want to make disciples, you know, the challenge of that, you very quickly realize that we're, we're, we're placed in some structures and expectations that, you know, that don't make it easy. What would you say? I mean, we've talked about this in the past, but what would be some obvious programmatic or ministry or even time use changes for staff if, if a church shifted to disciple making uh, as, as the long-term goal? What, what well, would yeah. actually change on the ground? Yeah. Well, for a lot of things. <laughs> Just, just because if, if you're just trying to get, well, for, for instance, we do the Alpha program, uh, and hopefully by the end of Alpha, someone will accept Jesus. But then th- there's no follow-up in terms of what do we do with someone who's crossed the line of faith. So, so that would be one. Uh, you know, small groups, are, are they just incubators for social connectivity? Or are small groups on mission really trying to uh, live out the, the great commission of Jesus to go into the world and to be salt and light, or as I preached last weekend, to get a shovel like John the Baptist and to clear a path. Uh, I, I think just our whole pastoral team uh, would be totally reconfigured that, uh, you know, preaching and teaching is important, but actually training people, not just teaching them, but training them to become disciple makers uh, would be part and parcel of what churches do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, well and in fact, you're you're very quickly moving to our next contrast. I was already thinking about yeah. that too, Tim, because the next contrast is what's the methodology? And the contrast here is in, in most churches, our methodology is teaching. Yeah. You know, the lead pastor is often mostly the teaching pastor and the teach, the teach, teach, teach. 
But when it comes to disciple making, it's not just about teaching as valuable as it is. It's about training. So how would you contrast? What's the difference between teaching and training? Yeah. Well, in terms of the posture of the one who is the learner in both of these, uh, when you when you teach someone something, uh, I see teaching and training as two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. You can't train unless you teach. Yeah. But but you can teach but not train, and usually uh, the teaching would be more content based, uh, with mm-hmm. with not a, a direct life application now to go and apply it related to disciple making. So a lot of teaching that we get is about how to be a better Christian, how to follow Jesus in your character, which is really important. Because as I said earlier, being precedes doing. Mm. But, but, but in terms of actually training, Jesus just didn't tell them. He actually said, come with me and I'll show you how. Hmm. And then, and then he sent them out two by two, as it were, uh, to try it and come back and report. So I, I think that there, there's a whole methodology there in terms of training is that it's uh, it's leading to people being able to do it, but it's done under a supervised environment. And it's, it's, it's more not just telling, but it's telling and doing with me type of thing. Yeah. And, and if you alluded to that, I would say the whole issue of example is huge. Yeah. You know, teaching, I can stand up here and teach and tell you content, um, when I when I when I give some application to the teaching, that's moving to training. But when I show, when I model, and when I put people in relationships where they can see what we're actually t- training them to do, that's where training, we're teaching shifts into training. Yeah, exactly. We're actually, you know, on the ground conduct change, t- uh, you know, task change. Yeah. What we do changes. What what would be some things, Tim, that we actually have to train people to do? Yeah. Well, I, I have one more thought before we even sure. get yeah, to that. Go ahead. Uh, and I hope I don't offend too many leaders or pastors, but uh, have we really just stuck on teaching because pastors aren't doing it themselves and therefore they can't train people into things that they aren't doing themselves. If, if pastors and leaders are making disciples that make disciples, how can they actually train someone to do it when they aren't doing it themselves? I, I always say, unless you're living it, you can't lead it. Hmm. Unless you're living it, you can't lead it. And I think, um, the busyness of ministry has been used as an excuse for, well, I'm so busy, I, I'm just teaching people what they should do, but I'm not being a living example myself. And I know for years and years that that was my testimony. Uh, but then I, uh, you know, seven years ago when, when I had this cancer diagnosis and I had the legacy discussion with the Lord, I said, Lord, uh, you know, what, what should I make out of the rest of my life? He says, Beetle, why don't you just obey Jesus in the Gospels <laughs> and start doing it? And and uh, and that's why on a regular basis, I, I, I right now I'm meeting with a fellow older than me, his name's Steve. Every week we meet to talk about becoming a disciple maker. And, uh, and, and he's making, and he's just coming to life because this is something that he never heard before. And now we're doing it together, which is quite hmm. exciting. Anyway, I sort of oh, cut yeah. you off from your no. next question, but you got to you got to cut me off sometimes, Tim, okay. and that gives me freedom to cut you off if necessary. Hey, hey, right? Hey. So, I, I do find you know part of the, the difference between teaching and training from the teacher slash trainer standpoint is teaching is a very um, structured, controllable thing, yeah. right? Like I can teach my content, and if I have communicated my content, I am I've succeeded. Yeah. Yeah. And I've controlled. As soon as I move into training, it's a little less linear. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot yeah. more relational, less controllable, because it's not about just generating content. It's about actually 
equipping someone to do something and having that happen in their life. So to me, that's a big difference. I like teaching because it's so controllable. It's easier to be a successful teacher, I think, than a successful trainer. Uh, That's why some pastors say, I'd rather do a funeral than a wedding. Hmm. (laughs) You do a funeral, it's pretty easy to get to it because there's not a lot of moving parts there. But but when you do a wedding, all kinds of things, the emotions and there's moving parts. Uh, But but I totally agree. Uh, When you teach, you can teach a principle uh, that doesn't change and you've sort of accomplished teaching something. But as soon as you cross the line to start training, uh, first of all, you become more personally involved because it isn't mm. principle-based. It's practically based. The principle is now acted up, upon. But also, now, now you're faced with every potential scenario mm. uh, that in your training may happen as people live out this and then report to you and you walk with them. Uh, it's where the, the rubber hits the road, to be honest with you. You, you get out of the, uh, the lecture hall out of the laboratory and, and, and into the world and actually experience it. And I think that's where God by his Holy Spirit meets us. Hmm. And, and that's the exciting thing of ministry because we are totally dependent on him. We do our part. He does his. Uh, but that that's where real ministry happens. It, it's not so much in the classroom. It's out in the world, out in hmm. culture. And, and, and when we're actually putting into practice the things that he has taught us. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's why a lot of disciple making movements and models really work around the family neighborhood metaphor, yeah, where yeah. you're actually doing it in your neighborhood with people in your neighborhood, right? And so it's much easier to integrate as opposed to compartmentalize. And I think that's a big difference too, uh, from, from just teaching to actually training and disciple making. It's yeah. about this integrated life, not just a compartmentalized, you know, church stuff, spiritual stuff, the rest of life. Yes, it's, yeah. it's more fully integrated. Yeah, I think as you're saying that, just uh, you know, just thinking about the, the Great Commission, if this was just a Bible lesson, the Great Commission, in terms of, okay, you're going to go into the, uh, into the world and make disciples, mm. Jesus wouldn't have had to say at the end, and lo, I will be with you to the very end of the age. Because mm. uh, that speaks more about a journey and a partnership, this co-mission that we're on together, that we're actually engaging with each other as we go into the world and put this into practice, and he's already, uh, he's the one who leads us, and we're being trained by him, but he is with us, and mm. I think that's the difference. You know, you can teach something, and then the classroom or, or the congregation go home after church, uh, but when you're training someone, you, you're walking with them, and, and you're in touch with what's going on in their lives. Oh, yeah. No, that, that's exactly right. So, so back to my, my prior question, Tim. So we want to train someone as opposed to just teaching them what in the context of disciple making, what are the things we need to train people to be or do Yeah, in in the context of disciple making? Yeah. Well, well, first of all, I think they have to realize their own identity in Christ Hmm. uh, in terms of a starting point that we ourselves are disciples. We are learners and we never stop being learners and I think I think there's uh, with, with uh, within your identity also becomes just the humility of heart and the teachability as well hmm. that we realize we're never going to have this all figured out. <laughs> we have to fall on our knees in submission uh, before Jesus, uh, empowered by His Holy Spirit, to realize that we are just His vessels and tools, like ambassadors. You know, it says in in uh, in Corinthians, hmm. we're simply a representative living as it were in a foreign land. Um, you know, the Bible says there's aliens and strangers in this land, you know, abstain from this and that, that, that we have to understand what our role is before mm. we engage. Uh, yeah. 
And then uh, we have to, this, I'll say one more, that alternative view. Uh, yeah. We have to be in the world, but not of the world. So we have to learn not only mm-hmm. our identity, but what our identity is in the context of the world. And I might have mentioned this before quite recently, but, you know, there's, there's when people look at Christians, they, they see, um, they feel judged. And what happens is that Christians haven't learned uh, how to be in the world mm. uh, in, in a realistic way. Like Paul says, you know, uh, I become like a slave to the slaves to win as many slaves, right? I become uh, a Greek to the Greeks, or I become a Jew to the Jews, as it were. And so, so you, you have to, you have to identify, but not lose your identity. And what happens is uh, Christians that can fall into the ditch of becoming uh, a spiritual porcupine, where they have this hardening of the I mentioned this before, hardening of the categories, where we're judging people all the time. No, nope, they're not good. Yeah, that's okay. I can't do that. Mm. And they they lose their audience. You can never be a disciple maker if you lose your audience. On the other side, if you become this spiritual chameleon where you get attracted into the world and assimilated by the world, that, that you lose your message because you're just like everyone else. So, hmm. so identity and identification uh, in the world, I, I think though those are two of the basic things we have to start learning. Yeah, no, that's excellent. Because and again, that's just evidence that training includes teaching like yeah. this is a content thing you obviously want people to embrace it and immerse it but it's like people need to hear and understand this is who you are in christ this is your identity uh, you know a, a, it's interesting a lot of the reading i've done in the last year around disciple making has highlighted this identity issue yeah you know yeah. not just who you are in christ but who you're called to be you know yep. joining him on mission i think you know another teaching component to that is people really do need to grasp the big story yeah, you know, uh, 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 God's big story. You know the the Genesis one to Revelation twenty two story, as opposed to you know the you know Jesus died for me. That's period. Right. Like that. Yeah. There's this larger mission that God is up to. You know the renewal of all things that the gospel really does permeate creation. I think that's important. But then you know to shift gears into tasks. You know that that's some things that you know we've been learning a lot in our in our context here. Things that people need to know how to do. You know, we we would often talk about, you know, personal devotions, but what we've learned here is people need to learn how to pray. And we we say pray and pay attention, you know, pray and be directed and receive direction from God. Like that's very important, uh, training people to do that. And we encourage that. We encourage people to learn how to lead these little discovery Bible studies. That's a core practice that people need to be trained to do. It's very easy to train someone, but, but it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a task that is core to disciple making movements around the world. Those are just a couple that come to my mind task-wise, Tim. Are there any others from, from your well, end? Well, yeah, I've got one more thing to say on the way to getting to the tasks. Yeah. So uh, we've just celebrated Thanksgiving, and I was mm. preaching this this past weekend. And I was thinking, you know, th- Thanksgiving is, a, is, a, um, is really an exercise in reflection when we reflect uh, how good God has been to us. It's sort of like mm-hmm. driving in your car. You, you know, the windshield is way bigger than the rear view mirror, but the rear view mirror is really important to see where we've come from. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe, and I said this to, to uh, the, the, the flock on, on, on this past weekend, uh, how you understand where you've come from and what's happening behind you actually speaks into what's about to happen as well. Hmm. And uh, I can prove it to you. If you're driving down the road and all of a sudden you look in your rearview mirror and you see a car following you with a, a flashing blue and red uh, lights and a siren going, 
Uh, that's why, but that, that's going to impact what you do. Uh, first of all, you're going to pray, oh no, he's not going to stop me, or you're going to pull over and hopefully you're not going too quickly. But mm. we have to realize, as you call, uh, you know, the, we have to see the big story. I call it the grand adventure, yeah. the grand adventure. And mm. when you understand what your part is in the grand adventure, when you look in the rear view mirror of your faith, Darren, and you see a cross and you see an empty tomb, you see the coming of the Holy Spirit, and you see the commission of Jesus. That that that's all in our our spiritual rearview mirror. And just like I said to my people, Thanksgiving should result in thanks living moving forward. Hmm. So, in terms of um, the, the, this whole this whole area of disciple making, this isn't something that that Jesus sort of made up to keep us busy until He returns. <laughs> you know, the, the, this isn't the, the the carrot and stick routine. Um, this is part of the story. Hmm. And uh, we are his chosen people, uh, people belonging to God. And he has commissioned us with him to go into the world and make disciples. So I think some of the, the practical things you said about prayer uh, and the uh, the discovery Bible study methodology, I think just uh, practically just being a friend with people is really, really important. Hmm. Don't become friends with people to just to win them to Jesus. Because number one, it's the Holy Spirit who wins them, not you. Hmm. Just be a friend for the sake of being a friend. And it's through your friendship that they will see that there's a difference in the way you live, the way you, uh, you know, your values. Hmm. And they will get spiritually hungry, I call it. And the Holy Spirit will nudge them to ask you, as the Bible says, always be ready uh, to give an answer to anyone who asks for the hope that's in you. Mm -hmm. uh, but but you, it's no bother telling people the hope that's in you if, if they aren't thirsty to know why. So I think being a friend and always having a word, uh, a suitable word, not in judgment, mm -hmm. but just of your own testimony of, of uh, what Jesus has meant to you. I think I think those are important parts of the uh, the process and pathway as well. Oh yeah, no. I think training on how to be a friend and and yeah. how to be a friend of people who aren't like you. You know, a lot or of likable or even likable. You know, yeah. a lot of times we, our friends are just like us, and we're you know we're immersed yeah. in a Christian subculture. It's very comfortable, and and I, you know I've been learning again in this last year that, that yeah we're we're different, and to relate to people who are not like us takes yeah. some flexibility and and compassion and and not just having things to say, but some good questions to ask, you exactly. know, to, to hear people's story. Cause that's how, you know, friendships are, are, are formed when, when you share a story, Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and that's really what, what binds it together. Well, we're, we're, we're pretty much uh, ready to wrap it up here, Tim. I, I think, think we, so. we covered, we covered the, the goal is, is not just salvation, but disciple making yeah. the goal that the method isn't just teaching, but training, training yeah. uh, anything, how you want to land this today. Well, I don't think we need to go too much further because, again, this is more of a marathon than a sprint. So yeah. I think we should let our, our, our listeners catch their breath and try to process something. You'll notice uh, in terms of what the church does, uh, we haven't really talked a lot about the traditional programs of the church. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we've been talking and going back to the, the uh, initial calling that is placed on those who follow Jesus mm -hmm. to become like him. Uh, yes, identify with with God's people, but uh, let let let's follow Him in, into this lifestyle commitment of becoming disciple makers, making disciples that make disciples. Excellent, right on. We we'll look forward to getting together again and, and talking about some more of these Good. contrasts and what the church does and and how that can flow into our lives and the lives of those we're we're leading. Thanks for joining us. 
For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or ChristFollowerDNA.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.